Hello, this is the Untangling Anxiety Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Russell. I am a mom of four children with OCD and other anxiety disorders, a wife of a husband with OCD, and a former elementary school teacher. This podcast is about learning to untangle our thoughts and worries, and then sharing this understanding with those we love. It's also going to be about the transformations that can occur when we invest our time and resources into making connections, being vulnerable, and ultimately finding healing for ourselves and our family. You can expect to hear from me each week. I will share with you actionable steps you can take to untangle your anxiety and live a more free and empowered life. I'll be bringing on guests, both people just like you and me, that walk the road of anxiety every day as well as mindfulness, parenting, and mental health experts. I started this podcast because several years ago, I could have really used someone to connect with who understood what I was going through, something to remind me I wasn't alone during those days when my family was so lost in the labyrinth of anxiety. I hope you learned something, let go of the guilt you are carrying, and find more peace and resilience. Now take a deep breath. It's time to start untangling anxiety. Hello there. Welcome back to the podcast. It's good to be back. I'm feeling like I'm kind of on like an every other week pattern right now and just kind of going with that. (laughs) Sometimes life gets in the way, like you get sick or, you know, how many other things that can happen. So I'm happy to be uh, recording this episode and excited to share this information with you today, I want to talk about how you can talk to your loved one that has anxiety. So as you know, or as you may know, all four of my kids plus my husband have OCD and other anxiety disorders. So I have had the privilege of working with and supporting an adult, a a teenager's and children with anxiety. And I got to say, they pretty much all basically work the same. There are definitely differences in idiosyncrasies depending on the maturity and development of each individual. And then also along with that, the longer that an individual suffers from anxiety without it being treated, of course, um, studies have shown the more difficult it is to kind of unravel it and to break free from the the worry loop that I talk about that you get stuck in. So there are definitely some differences, but um, on, on a whole, I address and support everyone very similarly. And so I wanted to talk about and break down how, if you have someone that you love, that you have some kind of stewardship or care over, and you are struggling with how in the world (laughs) do I even take the first step and tackle um, this huge obstacle of anxiety? I thought we could talk about that today. Uh, as a precursor, I am not a therapist. I am not professionally trained. I have sat through and studied and I've sat through 
hours upon hours of therapy uh, for myself, um, but specifically for OCD and anxiety with um, with my husband and my and my four children. I understand the ins and outs of anxiety from a mother's perspective, from a wife's perspective, from a human's perspective. And I have a pretty solid knowledge of how it all works. That being said, I have not been professionally trained. So what I will share with you is what has worked for my family and what I have seen has worked. And this is all based on guidance and direction and knowledge that I have received from professionals. Okay. So what, what I wanted to talk about and what I, I have actually have a 12 page digital download that you can access if you would like to. So after listening to, or even before you listen to this podcast, if you want to follow along with these um, PDF worksheets, you can, I will have that um, available in the show notes. So if you listen to episode 14, you will find out that I shut down my website. So I don't have any sort of professional way for um, you to pay me for the download. I'm, I'm only charging $5 for the download simply because the knowledge that you will find in there is invaluable. And it is something that I have taken the time to create and to kind of piece out from all of the information I have received. So I'm asking a simple $5 uh, donation if you choose to download it. And I'll have uh, my Venmo in the show notes. And um, once you Venmo me, I will send you the link if you're interested in those PDF, either digital or you can print them out as hard copies. But that is essentially where I'm going to go. I'm going to be looking at that directly on my computer as I talk to you today and going through that 12-page download um, and walking you through those steps. So what I call it, I call it the anxiety relief technique, and it's a triangle of relief. There are three sides to that triangle. It doesn't matter what side of the triangle it's on, they all are equal, carry equal importance um, and value. The first one, or actually I'll just go through the whole triangle. The first one is knowledge. The second one is mindfulness skills. And the third is mental strength training. I've talked about these before. We're going to go into a little bit, um, maybe a little bit more detail, but also I have talked in other podcasts about this. Um, I guess this is maybe just consolidated into one kind of whole moment <laughs> of how you can help those that you love with anxiety. So first, knowledge. Knowledge. Knowledge is so important. It is so liberating. If nothing else, doing this first step will be groundbreaking, can be groundbreaking for those with anxiety. So I have talked about, I, I'm going to talk about the worry loop. 
and worry monsters. And I have definitely gone into way more detail about this. If you look at episode seven minutes, go um, fast forward to minute three, minutes three through eight really go into um, a lot of detail and examples about this worry loop and uh, worry monster. But basically, what we need to do, what's happening with our anxious brain is when we feel anxious, is that there's some kind of a threat that our and our brain is ever trying to protect us. And so if there's a perceived threat, something that um, our brain is triggered by and says, oh, oh, you know, no, 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 something bad's going to happen or I'm afraid of that. We enter into this worry loop. And ultimately what is happening in this loop is our brain is seeking and encouraging us to find comfort, to get out of discomfort. And the only way to break this loop is to do the uncomfortable thing, is to sit in the discomfort. The more that we run away and that we avoid the discomfort, the more we are telling our brain that the threat is real. So for instance, a very classic um, OCD um, sometimes it can be stereotypical, but is contamination OCD, um, fear of germs or illness. And oftentimes what's happening in someone that has contamination OCD in their brain is their brain says, don't you dare touch that door handle. It has germs on it. If you touch that door handle, then you will get sick or you will get sick and you'll get your loved ones sick you will get sick and you may die, things like that. And so what, in order to get out of that loop, we have to touch the door handle. We have to do the opposite of what our worry is telling us to do. So that's basically what the worry loop is. And we're ever trying to break that loop, just like you would break a habit. Now, so first step is teach your child Teach your loved one. This is information that your brain is providing you. It is information that you can listen to, but you ultimately get to choose what to do about it. Your brain does not call the shots. This worry monster, this worry does not call the shots. You do. And learning how to break this loop and how to do the opposite of what your anxious brain is telling you, that is where we are moving towards. But simply validating to those that you love that suffer from anxiety, that what they're feeling feels real and is real to them. But just because it feels real does not mean that they need to be afraid of it. Okay, so next step is doing something called an if-then statement. What we're going to do is on this worksheet, if you choose to download it, or you can even pull out a piece of paper right now. And what you will do is you'll list all the things that you're afraid of, or you'll have your loved one, your child, list all the things that they're afraid of that get in the way of them doing the things that they want or need to do. 
So some examples of this is if I fall asleep, then something bad will happen, right? We need to sleep. We need to sleep. But sometimes that fear keeps us from being able to fall asleep. Another one with sleep. If I don't sleep with my phone with me, then I won't be able to fall asleep. If I don't do certain things for my bedtime routine, then I won't be able to fall asleep. If I avoid getting ready for bed, then I won't have to feel anxious when I'm trying to fall asleep. Okay. All those things are really centered around sleep. I know sleep, especially sleep in children, but for sure in teenagers and adults can be a problem, especially with anxiety. So we do these things. We're so afraid we're not going to be able to fall asleep. And so we do these certain things in order to assure that we'll be able to fall asleep. But all that is doing is teaching our brain that we have to do that, that we are a slave to these routines, to these to these rituals. Uh, other things aside from sleep, if I speak in front of the class, then I will look stupid. If I don't get an A, then I will feel like a failure. If I don't check the oven before I leave the house, then there will be a fire. Things like that. So that would be my, so first is knowledge. Share what is going on inside their brain. Share this worry loop. Second, create if-then statements. If you do or don't do something, then what will happen? Get those down on paper and discuss what is the fear. Those if-then statements help to kind of unravel and untangle what the fear really is. What are you afraid is going to happen? That would be a really good question too. And that will help kind of weed out those if-then statements. Now that we have the fears kind of laid out on the table, before we move any further into the fears and into facing those fears, it is so important for us also to teach mindfulness skills. So that's the second part of our triangle. First is knowledge. Second one we're talking about is mindfulness skills. On Instagram, last week or earlier this week, I talked about mindfulness and mindfulness is, and I've talked about it on this podcast too. It's like a wetsuit. Facing your fears is like getting into ice cold water. It is so hard and so scary. And that wetsuit is just a small barrier between you and your fears. And that's what mindfulness skills offers. It offers a cushion. It offers some amount of comfort in the extreme discomfort that that you will be in. So I, I've talked about mindfulness a lot on Instagram. I haven't much on this podcast, and I do think I will create uh, an episode solely on mindfulness. So mindfulness has kind of three main steps that you can focus on. The first is to see. Mindfulness is all about being in the present moment, tapping into your body and your five senses. So seeing, pay attention to what you are doing and how you are feeling. Do this without trying to change or stop what is happening. Just see 
it for what it is. So without judgment. And the second part is say, describe what you see and how your body and mind feel and react to what you see. And the number three, be present, be all in and participate without holding back. Mindfulness is about being present. And it does, like I said, it utilizes a lot of your senses. Um, There also is breathing. I've talked about breathing exercises. There's starfish breathing. Starfish breathing is where you take your hand and you trace along your fingers. And every time you move to the top of your finger, you take a breath in. And as you move down to the curve in between your fingers, you exhale. And then you inhale to the top and exhale. And you can do that five times. That is an excellent, excellent tool for a child. And that's something they can even do at their desk at school. They can put their hands in their lap and just simply trace that finger. Even tracing the finger and and being tracing your hand with your finger and being aware of how your finger feels against your other hand or how it even you can hear it how you how it sounds anything where you can stop spinning oftentimes when we are anxious we are out of our body have you ever paid attention to that you can talk to those that you love about that where are you can you feel what your body is feeling bring them back to their bodies in the present moment. Another breathing exercise, three hugs and three deep breaths. This can be wonderful for anyone. That connection to another human can really aid in the mindfulness uh, process. You simply hug someone that you care about. And while hugging, take three deep breaths. It's okay if they don't breathe with you, but they certainly can. Your breathing will also calm them. Repeat this with two more people or two more times with the same person. So three hugs, three deep breaths, three times. And then the last one is square breathing. Square breathing, this is also known as box breathing or sometimes even Navy SEALs do this breathing um, to train them. I think I've even seen uh, that firefighters use this in order to mindfully breathe and have control and power within their breathing. It simply is you inhale for four seconds. You hold the inhale for four seconds. You exhale for four seconds and hold the exhale for four seconds and repeat that four times. Try it. It's a, it's super interesting. And that is one that I use to calm myself down. That's also one that has, um, I have heard professionals speak about it also being a wonderful tool for pain management. If you are, have some kind of pain, um, those breathing exercises, like I said, can be awesome to teach your kids that they can use in a quiet moment or in, um, more importantly, an anxious moment and they can do it quietly and it can usually go without being noticed. The last mindfulness technique that I wanted to share today is five, four, three, two, one. This one is also wonderful. You can take it with you. You don't have to have anything. Um, and it, uses your five senses. So I'll list the five, four, three, two, one. It can really go in any order. 
if you can't remember which order it is, just access those five senses. So five, name five things that you see. Four, name four things that you feel. Three, name three things that you hear. And two, name two things you smell. And then last one, one thing that you taste. I kind of sometimes do save that taste one for one, just because unless we're eating, (laughs) the level at which we can pull out things that we taste can kind of be limiting. So leaving that one for one of the lower numbers is usually helpful. That is an excellent exercise to use Uh, when my um, now nine-year-old, when she was eight and had um, lots of anxious feelings before bedtime, five, four, three, two, one, we used often. And like I said, all it does is bring you back to the present moment. It encourages your mind to come back to what is happening right now and to um, slow down the spinning out of control of the, the things that we can't control and those fears that we have. Okay, so we have knowledge, we have mindfulness. The last part of our triangle that we'll talk about today is mental strength training, building your mind muscles. So we take all of that knowledge We use those mindfulness skills, and then we've got to train, retrain our brains and strengthen our brains to be able to withstand the the intrusive thoughts that our brain can offer us um, that is filled with fear. So let me look at my notes real quick. I I will talk a little bit about the anxiety-o-meter and middle path. And those I also went into greater detail in that same episode, episode seven, and minutes eight till the end of the podcast is where you'll find a little bit more detail about um, anxiety-o-meter and middle path. Essentially what's happening is We have, with our anxiety, it can be gauged on a scale of one to 10, very similar to when we see pain, a pain scale at a hospital. And in order for us to build resilience and to build those mind muscles, we have to find a sweet spot with our anxiety. If we don't have any anxiety, if we're like at a one, two, even three or four, then we're it's there's not enough resistance. It would be as if we were doing curls with a pencil and not activating our muscles. Whereas if we tried to lift a weight that was 20, 30, 50 pounds too heavy for us, we also would not be able to build muscle with that. It would be too heavy. So our sweet spot with anxiety lies in numbers five, six, and seven. We need to feel anxious in order to practice facing our fears, but we need to keep our anxiety level low enough that our brains can actually process it and actually, you know, lift do the lifting. 
So we use middle path in order to um, stay in that five, six, and seven. We don't always need to use middle path. Middle path is just facing our fear in a less threatening way. So I'll give one example. So if your child or your loved one, maybe they are have social anxiety or uh, are afraid to be in front of people um, and or even to speak to adults or things like that, then facing their fear would be to, you know, flat out speak to an adult, to give a presentation in class, um, or to go and um, introduce themselves to someone at a park. That might send them to that eight, nine, or 10 on this um, anxiety meter, where if they're that high facing that fear, really is pointless. <laughs> it's too high. They are not building any sort of resilience or strength in that. They are simply just extraordinarily uncomfortable. Um, so what we would do is we would find a middle path. We would find something that was, didn't feel quite so hard. So maybe it would be... Um, practicing or role-playing introducing themselves to um, a friend like at a park so they could practice that with you, their parent, or with a sibling. They could also do that same thing of if they had a fear of talking with an adult, they could practice it with you or practice it with a trusted adult that maybe wasn't quite as comfortable as mom or dad. And then um, last, the last example that I gave doing a, some kind of a presentation in class. Um, what if they were to first practice raising their hand and commenting in class? Or what if they were to practice being in front of the class and not speaking? So it, it takes some creativity. And um, in these downloads, I do have more examples. It takes some creativity, but it's very possible and even your child or your loved one could help you come up with the middle path. You know, you could ask them questions like, okay, what, what, is there something that wouldn't feel as hard? Is there some way that we can make this so that it still feels a little uncomfortable, but not quite so uncomfortable? Really utilize your loved one and their ability to be able to kind of solve and work through some of these problems with you. Then finally, once we've created and understand, once we have our if-then statements and we understand where our anxiety meter is, where our level of anxiety is, and how we can adjust that with middle path, then we will create our facing our fears practice. And I have a sheet, a worksheet. You can also just get a piece of paper. And there are four columns you write down the fear where you put the if-then statement in that first column. The second column would be choosing what that facing your fear practice would be. The fourth or third column would be anxiety meter rate. How high is that going to be? So let me give you an example real quick. So if I don't do things in a certain order to get ready for school, then something bad will happen. That would be your fear or your if-then statement. 
So the facing your fear practice would be skip doing something you always do before school. Leave it out. Don't do it. And then ask your loved one, where's your anxiety going to be? And if they say, oh, it's going to be at a nine or, you know, eight, nine or 10, somewhere really high, then the fourth column is your middle path if needed. And the middle path here that I chose is how about you change the order of how you get ready in the morning? How would that feel? Now it might be flipped. Changing the order might feel worse than skipping something. I I don't, it, it doesn't matter really what it is as long as it's going to build that resilience and that strength within the person that is having anxiety. So we would go through that with all of our if then statements and create our own in those four columns. First column is fear. Second column is face your fear practice. Third is where's your anxiety ometer at. And then the fourth column is middle path if needed. And then finally, a tool that we use at our house is a face your fears jar. I just get a quart size mason jar. It could be a pint. It could be any sort of jar, any sort of, it could be a Ziploc bag. It it could be anything, a bowl. (laughs) It doesn't matter. And what we do is we write out the second column that face your fears practice. We write those out on strips of paper, fold them up, drop them in. And on a daily basis, if not multiple times a day, something is drawn out of that facing your fears jar. And that child is then encouraged to do it and to practice it. The only way is through the only way that your child or your loved one is going to be able to live a life free from their anxiety is by doing this practice and doing it every day. I found with my loved ones that we are all, so all of my um, children and my husband, they've all gone to therapy and they've done a therapy that's called ERP exposure therapy. And that's what this facing your fears. I don't call it exposure therapy here because I'm not a professional. So I've renamed it as facing your fears, but essentially that's what it is. It is exposure therapy. I'm going to be bold and say, it is the only way, the only way Uh, anxiety may come and go. It may um, get more intense. And then you might have times in your life where it doesn't feel as bad and you might think, oh, okay, we're good. We're good. I think they're going to be okay. Nope. Sorry. (laughs) It's going to sneak back in sometime in their life. It might not be for 20, 30, 40 years. My husband went 40 plus years of his life managing his anxiety and us almost not even knowing it was there. We didn't understand, and it was very manageable until his early 40s. He had literally a mental breakdown and could not work. So it, it doesn't ever go away, and this anxiety and OCD is never going to go away for any of those that I love, but the beautiful thing is it is not an everyday part of our life anymore. That might not be true. It is not, it's an everyday part of our life, but it's an everyday conversation in our life. It is definitely not in control 
and not affecting those things that we want or need to do anymore because we were so vigilant about practicing. And now what I wanted to say about that face your fear jars is that now we, there are times when one of us faces our fears simply because we see that our anxiety, our worry monsters kind of getting a little loud and thinking that it's the boss. And so simply facing our fear um, every once in a while is our way of of kind of keeping that maintenance. So that face your fears jar is still here. We still use it, but maybe not quite as regularly. And then there are these ebbs and flows where we find that there is maybe a week where one of my children faces their fear every needs to practice every day and just kind of calm that worry monster down. So it gets better. It gets easier. And the also another beautiful thing is that all of my people have this knowledge. We we can talk to each other. We I can say to one of my children your worry monster getting loud or is this, do you think this is OCD? Do you think this is anxiety? And we can have a conversation about it and we understand what's going on and we know what to do about it. We follow this triangle of relief and every time without fail, it helps to calm that anxiety, to quiet that anxiety and to allow us to move forward and to do those things that we want and need to do. So that is my gift to you. (laughs) Please take it, reach out to me with any questions that you have. I know sometimes untangling it all uh, can, can feel heavy, but I promise you, if you just start with this triangle, this, this is the place to start. And if you see that it is a really big problem that you don't feel like you can tackle on your own because you are not a therapist, then please seek professional help. And like I said, please find a therapist that is trained in ERP, um, exposure therapy. Just talk therapy isn't going to do it facing the fear. They have to face the fear and do this practice. I've seen it work. I have seen it change the lives of those that I love. And I've also seen it save some lives that where this anxiety got so deep and so intense that it was dangerous and it's it saved our family and i know that it can do the same for anyone that chooses to to access it and to move forward with this so like i said reach out if you have any questions um you can also if you're interested in that 12 page download that goes right along with um this podcast um you can reach out to me separately or um you can just venmo me and i will send it right to you I hope that this was helpful. I hope that you can find the the courage and um, the strength to move forward with this because I know that it can um, do so much 
for you and those that you love. Okay. All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks for joining me, Betsy Russell, on the Untangling Anxiety Podcast. I'm so glad you're here and honored that you've taken the time in your busy schedule to join me for honest conversations about anxiety. It brings me so much joy to shine the light on anxiety. Will you leave a rating and review? Just scroll down to the bottom of this episode, hit the five star and write a little comment about how this has helped you. This helps my podcast get seen and help others. Also, I'd love to see what you're doing while you're listening to this podcast. So snap a selfie and tag me at Untangling Anxiety and post it on Instagram. We'll see you next week.